0: Well, good morning. Who here is a parent? Who here has parents? Great. I think this should apply to all of us then. I want to start this morning with something a little different. I'm going to start with a story. This comes from the Christian uh, psychologist, uh, therapist, David Benner. His book, Surrender to Love. Amanda was 15 when she was referred to me after a serious suicide attempt. Um, her first had occurred just after his, her boyfriend hung himself. She had found his body and had made a vow that she would join him in death. When I first met her in the waiting room, Amanda was dressed head to toe in black with large black circles painted around her eyes. Her face and ears were riddled with studs and rings. She wore a dog collar and a tag. The collar was attached to a waist belt with a industrial grade chain chains also dangled from the edges of her black trench coat Amanda did not acknowledge my presence in my waiting room of my office when I introduced myself she did however get up and follow me into my office I was somewhat surprised that the woman sitting next to her did the same in the office she introduced herself as Amanda's mother turning to Amanda I asked if she was willing to have her mom accompany her this consultation she answered that her mother was her best friend and that she had come because she was invited it was the first time she had spoken or acknowledged my presence I was intrigued young people like Amanda are often not best friends with their mothers and yet the affection between them was clear Sensing also, however, her mother's disapproval of Amanda's lifestyle, I asked what was the bond that had allowed her to remain close to her mom. Amanda replied, for as long as I can remember every night of my life, I have ended the day by snuggling and cuddling with my mom. Amanda's relationship with her mother is quite remarkable and is in large part responsible for the fact that she has now left behind what she describes as her dark period and is finding her way through adolescence in a relatively healthy manner Amanda knew that she was deeply loved exactly as she was her mother disapproved of her use of drugs, her promiscuous sex her astonishingly profane language and most other aspects of her lifestyle But with a wisdom I have rarely seen in parents, she recognized that what her daughter needed at that point in time was not lectures, but love. Fortunately, she had been giving this in large doses for all of Amanda's life. Equally fortunately, she did not now allow her disapproval of her daughter's behavior to interrupt this pattern in the slightest. Friends, this is Christian parenting. I'm really sorry for everyone who thought that Christian parenting was the secret of how to raise perfect kids. This is Christian parenting. It is the anointing to love as Jesus did. And there are many techniques, strategies, good ideas, godly ideas, wisdom. But Christian parenting is love. There are many people with zero faith who raise excellent kids, are excellent parents We want to learn and grow from what they do. I will take all of the advice. I will take all the strategies and techniques. I can But if we want Christian parenting, if we want spiritual parenting, This is it. It's the anointing to love as Jesus did through it all, through good and bad. When our kids behave well and when they do not, a strong love that guides us through life, that that points us to hope and to thriving, that empowers us to be better, not stamps us down when we aren't. It's the anointing. It's not get cold and distant, manipulative or punishing when our kids do not do what they need to do or we want them to do. It's the anointing to love when we don't get our way in our kids, whether that's in the little things like pouting or tantrums, whether that's in the really high stakes things like life choices. I want to be able to stare down the hurt and the pain in my kids, the disappointments, the frustrations, the failures in love. I want to be able to scoop it away in love, and that is something I can only do if I have received it from Jesus. Parenting is a relationship. That's why it's in our Imperfect Together series. Parenting is a relationship rooted in, in love and care and respect, and none of us love perfectly. But the good news is that all of us can love well enough. Jesus' love for us and in us and through us is truly enough. It is restorative. It is transforming. It is sustaining. And parent-child relationships that have been hurt can be healed now, today, through the power of Jesus's love. Most of us have disappointments with our own parents. Most of us have disappointments in and of ourselves if we are parents. It is not easy. As we start this morning, um, I want us to just Kind of take our relationships, either with our parents or with our kids, whatever feels most pertinent here and now. I just want to hold them up before the Lord. These are the intimate, deep places, and Jesus wants to work in them, in us this morning. So let's pray together. If you just want to take kind of your relationship with your kids or your parents and just kind of hold it out to Jesus, think about what it feels like. Does it feel good? Does it feel strong? Does it feel broken? Just take that relationship and hold it before the Lord this morning. Lord God, this morning we give you these super important relationships. We give you the things that we are proud of. We give you the joys, the family times together, the love. We give you the hopes and the dreams, the burdens, the expectations. We give it to you, Jesus. And Jesus, where there have been words of hurt, from our own parents, we take your words of love and encouragement. Where our parents have placed um, unrealistic expectations on us, we take up your expectations. We invite you into these places, Jesus. Would you be Lord of our life in every aspect of our life? In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, we're going to be in um, the letter to the Colossians. an early leader of the church, Paul, St. Paul wrote this letter to the church in Colossae, uh, chapter 3. He's talking about the new life that we get to have in Jesus. So it says, Since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You're called. You've got it. Live into it. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, and you must also forgive each other. Forgiveness, it's the root of what we have to do in our families, in our churches, in our homes, our communities. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Sometimes we think that love is just this like frou-frou thing. It's the most important, it's powerful. And let the peace that comes from Christ Rule your hearts. If you have forgiven, if you have loved, you will be at peace. There's not that much to fight about. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and be thankful. Thankfulness unlocks happiness. Let the message about Christ in all its richness Fill your lives. We have a powerful story to live into as Christians. We have the death and the resurrection of Jesus, his death to cover every fault, every failure, every mistake, his resurrection to lead us into new life. We get to live in that story, not our own little stories. Let this message about Christ fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, whether you're doing laundry, driving, paying bills, watching a movie, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And now we move into what's called like the household code. This is instructions for how Christian families are supposed to live. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Do not try and manipulate or control. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. It was considered that husbands could, you know, treat their husbands harshly if they wanted to, not for Christians. And then we get into the parenting advice. This is complex, lengthy stuff. I hope you guys are ready to take lots of notes on all of Paul's parenting advice. Get ready. Children, obey your parents for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. It's actually not that lengthy. You don't need to take extensive notes on that. Children, obey your parents. It's a two-way street. It's a relationship. Fathers, parents, encourage and love your kids. Don't trample them down or discourage them. In this passage, we are told to live into the gospel, to let Jesus transform us, to let his work, his death and resurrection work its effect in us, to let Jesus produce love and peace and joy. And this is worked out not here, not in the church, but in our homes. How we treat each other, how we bear with one another, forgive each other, love and encourage. When we put on the work of Jesus, we can actually be equipped for everything, even parenting. So I wanna break this down a little for us this morning um, and talk about what this kind of means to me as I think about this passage as a mom. Paul says that we're to, above all, love one another. Love one another. My sister says that her primary job as a parent is to fill up her kids' love tanks. And I put this um, in the slides, and people are like, love tanks? That must be a mistake. But she sees her kids' like hearts and minds as like these little tanks. You need to fill them up with love. And she says, once her kids are secure and confident in being loved, you can work on whatever else that they need to work on. So she'll say things like, my four-year-old was fussy, so we went on a walk and we told each other what we liked about each other. Or like, I don't want to have learning time before we have cuddle time. And I'd always be like, Whatever. But you know what the best thing is for my kids' behavior? Love. Really. I mean, my our kids behave badly, quote unquote. So I don't think they're like behaving badly. They just don't need to like know how to get their needs met, right? They don't say, like, I'm gonna be bad, I'm gonna scream. They say, I feel ignored. I'm going to scream. You know, you want, so you grab, right? You know, our job is to discipline as our loving Heavenly Father disciplines to lead in to life. Frankly, this is easier for me if it's, um, if it's a big problem that does not happen very often. It is harder for me when it's the little day-to-day, ordinary, normal annoyances that I think we've dealt with 50 times before. My preferred home life would be if my kids acted perfectly. Like, all the time, and then maybe once a week, there's this big blowout. Then you know, like, this is it. This is the moment. Like, I'm ready, I got my fork and knife, I can dive in. This is the big moment of emotions and and character. That's not how it works. It's played out in just the little, ordinary, day-to-day things. Um, Shelly Harding gave me great parenting advice. I asked her, like, a year ago. I'm like, Shelly, kick it to me straight. What's, like, your top parenting advice? And she says, um, like find out what your kids love languages and give them lots of it maybe it's like physical touch and hugs and cuddling or words of affirmation and encouragement or quality time like find out what their love language is and give them lots of it so for my 10 year old i think it's fun she loves to have fun so like i'll like google kid jokes and save them to my pinterest page we um play lots of games, lots of games of Uno. Um, I've had more dance parties in, my, in like one month than I have in my entire life, It's just like put on music and, and dance in the living room. But it's fun, and it makes my life better, right? Find out what their love language is and then just give them lots of it, and it's been fun for me. This passage also encourages us Paul just talks so much about living into truth and the reality of what Jesus has done for us, that we don't strive and work hard to be loving. We dip into Jesus' love. We don't grit our teeth and and, and forgive. We receive Jesus' forgiveness. I think we want to live into the spiritual realities of what's really true, what Jesus has done for us, and also what our emotions are and what we're really going through. Right, right now. I think we need to help our kids be honest and to, and to live truth. Um, when my kids will argue or fight, you know, I'll go in and mediate a little bit and help them solve whatever conflict they've got, coach them through a little bit. And then I used to say, like, at the end, okay, tell your sister one compliment or two compliments about each other. Tell, tell each other two nice things. And I thought, no, I don't just want them telling each other nice things. So now I say, tell y- remember or, or tell your sister two true things. About herself because I don't want them like placating the other person with with a nice compliment I want them restoring their hearts with truth with the reality about who the other person is and I need to do this for myself right if my kids are behaving a certain way I need to remind myself about the truth of them. You know, if I'm in a disagreement with my husband, it's fine for me to think he's wrong about this issue. It's when I start to think he's wrong about all issues, right? I need to remind myself about the truth. That never happens, ever. Um, I need to remind myself of the truth and live into the truth. Uh, Speaking of living in the truth, you know what's really true, guys? How good God is, how well he has made each and every one of us, and how perfectly he has redeemed us. That's what's really true. I want, as a parent, to live into that truth. Our kids' good qualities are the best places to parent from. Our kids' good qualities are sweet places to make our home as parents. My 10-year-old likes to have fun. That's wonderful. That's great. I want to live into that gifting, encourage it, build on that. I want to camp out right there. You know, my 10-year-old, she's compassionate. She's compassionate to animals. She, um, she found this little firefly, cute little thing, and it's fun to take fireflies home and put them in a jar, except they're little and delicate, right? And um, I'm noticing that this uh, firefly is not moving. And um, I'm wanting to smooth over problems, you know, no problems. We'll just, there's a problem, we'll go in the opposite direction. So I say, honey, you know what that firefly would like? He would really love to fly away. How about you just give him a little toss and end. off he goes, problem solved. And so she gives a little toss. I mean, it just ends up straight on the ground. I'm like, there we go, problem solved, he flew away. Says, Mom, he did not fly, he flopped. <laughs> but she's really compassionate and I want to go in that direction with her to build on her strengths, not to try to just cover them over, swim upstream on that. She notices beauty, she notices sunsets. I've seen so many more sunsets because she notices and appreciates these things. I love how my five-year-old is proud of herself for doing well. We'll go to the grocery store and, you know, sometimes when we're doing things, if she does things well, she listens. I'll uh, I'll draw a little heart or star on her hand. Um, If I don't have a marker, sometimes I'll use a lipstick and then she'll be like, Ooh, lipstick, and she'll take her hand and smear all over her face. Like I get lipstick out of this deal, Um, but she'd done a really good job in the grocery store. So we're in the checkout line, and I kneel down, like, "Thank you so much for helping me. Thank you so much for listening to me." I draw a a star on her hand, and then I'll get her a little like seltzer water as a reward. Like, "And here's your fruit seltzer water. Good job. Thank you." And she says, "Woo hoo!" I did a good job, and this is my trophy holding up her seltzer water. She's just like so proud of herself for doing well. Those are the sweet places. I really just want to camp out there and live life there. But I think the best parenting advice that this passage just really speaks to my heart um, is that I am called. I am chosen and loved by the Most High God. I am blessed forgiven and healed that it is about me and jesus that i'm responsible to jesus i am not responsible for the results jesus said uh, matthew 6 seek the kingdom of god above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need so don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries that's true today's trouble is enough for today live in the present. What are we as parents really responsible for? We are not responsible for all our kids' life choices. We are not responsible for their intelligence, success, popularity, or looks. We are not responsible for making them happy all the time. We are not responsible for them getting their dream job by age 22. If they ever get a dream job, that's great. Parenting is a relationship, and we're responsible for that relationship, not the results. We can't make our kids who we want them to be. We cannot make them talkative or funny or introspective or serious-minded, but we can make a good relationship. I think it seems easier sometimes to just sign our kids up for an extracurricular, pile their butts into the car. You know, that's easier than actually sometimes really fostering relationship, looking them in the eye, understanding where they're coming from. But we have a requirement to love our kids in healthy ways. We do not have a requirement to make them successful to make them right or to even make them good christians amanda smith helped me to uh, articulate this well we were at a starbucks a little while ago and um she's like you know when your kids are young you can physically force them to do things you can take them and sit them one place or another remove those scissors straight from their hands you know to maybe five or six got a muscular three-year-old in my end a little earlier Um, but after that all you've got to go on is relationship like the carrot stick method works well for a while reward or consequence and we'll do this you know we'll go to someplace new if it's kind of overwhelming we'll sit in the car and be like okay guys if you do this this or this we'll get you french fries if you scream and run away there'll be this this consequence whatever and it works well it's effective I mean it works on me I will do what I need to do to get a reward and not a consequence. I will work hard for an ice cream date rather than lose my TV privileges. It works. It's effective. But ultimately, long-term, I don't want to control my kids, and I don't want my kids to be controlled. Relationship is the only healthy, long-term means of influence. All of us can have good relationships with our kids. All of us can. Sooner or later, love wins. All of us can have good relationships with our kids. Relationship is achievable. Results, control, uh, effect is not always achievable. Ah, so so what, about, what about me as a parent? What about, what about when I do not feel like doing this? How about when I don't feel loving? What about when you wake me up too early on a Saturday morning or I'm asked the same question very appropriately, three time, age appropriately, three times in a row? Like, I just don't always feel like it. I think negative emotions are normal and natural, and I actually need to pay attention to my frustration, pay attention to my anger or impatience. I think of negative emotions like physical pain. They're signs that tell us something. When your body's in pain... You know, like, I can't lift that much weight. That food isn't good for me, whatever it is. But when it comes to life, so many of us don't pay attention to the signs. If we put our hand on a hot burner, our hand starts to burn. We move our hand. But when it comes to life, we don't make changes. We put our hand on the burner. We say, of course my hand is burning. It is on a hot burner. Of course I am frustrated. I have young kids. When really that's a sign to us to change. Change things. Frustration is a sign to me that I need 10 minutes alone. I am a busy person but I can find 10 minutes alone to recoup, to to reset. Anger is a sign that we've got some inner work to do that we need to set better boundaries with our kids, maybe get counseling or therapy. I have been through counseling. My family is a big fan of therapy. We are on board with that. We support that, right? Um, Impatience for me is a sign that I need to make some better buffers in my life. I need to give our schedule 10 more minutes so that when we lose shoes, right before we're about to go out the door, like I don't have to be impatient about it. I need more more buffer in my life. We need to listen to our negative emotions and to act on them. Stephen and I have had plenty of negative emotions in our parenting. I think that's fair to say. You know, we have experienced this. Um, And when it comes down to it, we always say, how can we make it better? I have never told Stephen that I am struggling or or, or tired, tired. He's like, well, welcome to motherhood. Deal with it. That would be wrong. (laughs) We say, let's make it better. What can we change? What can we fix to make it better? But we don't always make it better in time. Parenting includes failure. All of us will fail as parents And when we mess up, I think we just have to own it and allow it to be a bridge to better relationship. Um, Melissa Luffingwell was the mentor mom at our Mops table. Hi, Dave. And um, she was really helpful to us, um, really encouraging all the young moms at her table to really be open and honest about our emotions. So it's a a group that meets here on Tuesday mornings, mothers of preschoolers. And um, you know, someone would say, I'm just so tired. She's like, well, tell your kids you know you feel frustrated tell your kids be open and honest about your emotions model you know emotional availability and honesty and communication Um, she was really clear that like our kids know when we've messed up like they really know when we've messed up it is not a secret every parent messes up not every parent apologizes and makes it better and that's so encouraging to me that like I have the opportunity to apologize, to fix it, to make it better. You know, I think I see the fruits of that in Melissa and Dave's relationship with their grown kids. They have fostered good communication with them and have a great relationship with their grown kids who have not done exactly what they wanted in every stage of their life, but they've fostered a good relationship with them, and that's been super helpful to me. Every parent fails. Not every parent apologizes and makes it better. And I think for me all parenting is self-work. I thought it would be kid work. I thought it would be good hard kid work. It's self-work. If I can uh, control my emotions I'll be just fine. Right? If my kid slams down their cereal bowl and says I wanted Cheerios, it doesn't matter what I say next. I can say count to ten and try again. I can say, no, that's not an okay way to talk to mommy. Come and apologize. I I can say, you know, that made mommy frustrated. I'm going to go and calm down for two minutes, and then we'll talk about your breakfast when I get back. You know, make them sweat a little bit. What I cannot do is react. You don't like Cheerios? Try nothing. Go to school hungry. See how you like it. You know, that's called escalating, you know. Um, I can't react as long as I can control my emotions, as long as I can respond, I'll handle the situation just fine. Most of you know that uh, my, parent, my um, husband and I have been parenting for one year now. Uh, we adopted our kids. Thank you, thank you. We adopted our kids at nine and four out of the foster care system here in Massachusetts. And uh, a couple months after they moved in with us, the Lord gave me a passage that I think has just really come to, to define my personal journey as a parent in this last year. It's a passage that I really loved in my young 20s, um, and I hadn't you know, thought about personally that much since. So it's John uh, chapter 21, um, and Jesus and John are back together after it all, after he's died and, and resurrected again. And Jesus asks, peter do you love me more than these yes lord peter replied you know i love you then feed my lambs jesus told him jesus repeated the question simon son of john do you love me yes lord you know i love you then take care of my sheep a third time simon son of john do you love me he said lord you know everything you know that i love you then feed my sheep I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you do not want to go. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Peter turned around and saw behind him another disciple, uh, uh, John. And uh, Peter asked Jesus, what about him? But, But what about him, Jesus? Jesus replied, "If I want him to remain alive until I return. What is that to you? What is that to you? As for you, follow me. And I just felt the Lord speaking to me. Sarah, do you love me? This is how I want you to live it out. Sarah, do you love me? Love these kids. Do you love me? Take care of these kids. Join me in loving them and it's so easy for me to say, but 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 what about them? What about that family? What about the neighbors? What about my extended family? How's it going to turn out? What about all these questions? And the Lord just says, What is that to you? Leave the results to me. As for you, Sarah, follow me when you were younger you got to live how you wanted to live and go out on date nights with your husband and work long hours if you wanted and you got to live life how you wanted and when you are older you will be constrained and someone else will lead you my love for my kids is my response to jesus's love for me i am maturing other people lead my life and that is the path of freedom and growth For me, I'm improving as a person because of my kids, but it's not a journey of like forced or, or trying self improvement. It is a journey of self deconstruction. As I love my kids, the Lord has done a work in me that is valuable and precious to me. He has opened up places of compassion and love in me, He has expanded my soul, He has opened up corners of my heart I did not know were there. Parenting has led me into a lot more self-knowledge. I have discovered more about myself, and some of it I did not want to know. I have experienced more frustration in this last year than I thought I would. I have had to surrender expectations and surrender control. I've had to die to myself, and it has been the best thing for me. Parenting has shown me how much Jesus loves me, and how precious my soul is to Jesus. He has called me out into deep waters and my heart has walked with him in new ways. Parenting has drawn me closer to Jesus and parenting has shown me the depths of God's love for my kids. Our kids are not ours. My kids do not belong to me. They are their own people with different, uh, uh, unique, sometimes under Um, on non-understandable emotions and giftings. They belong to God, and he will take care of them. Far be it from me to try and craft them in the image of Sarah when they are crafted in the image of God. They are their own people, and I believe they're to be uh, not so much raised but loved well. They are gifts from God to be enjoyed, not problems to be solved or future professionals to be molded. And as I receive God's grace for me, as I receive God's love for me, I'm reminded of this, not just for myself, but in my relationship with my own parents, that God's grace covers it all, that truly love is more powerful than we believe or give it credit for most times, that truth does work transformation, that forgiveness will heal, and that through it all, Jesus delights in me he loves me, he loves my kids, he loves my parents, my mom, my dad, whatever our relationship may be like. And Jesus loves me and delights in me through it all. Let's stand together. um, We're going to move into a time of worship if the uh, worship team wants to come on, back up. And as we move into a time of worship, I just want us to give it to the Lord, knowing that his love for us is sufficient. It is enough. We can say that so lightly and yeah, 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 love people. But truly, Jesus' love is enough. And Jesus' love is effective and transforming. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that we have a Heavenly Father to call on, that we do not do life on our own, that we do not parent or live in families on our own, but we have an advocate and a helper, one who has walked through every hard place, through every tough situation, through every tough circumstance with us, and who has power to heal and to save. We welcome you to come and work in our hearts this morning. Wouldn't you just kindle up love in us? Kindle up love in us um, for you, Jesus. Let us receive your love. Kindle up love in us for ourselves, grace and compassion for ourselves. We are your chosen, your beloved. You delight in us, far be it from us, to scorn ourselves who you love so deeply. Kindle up love in us for those around us, our family members. We receive from you this morning, Jesus. Amen.